Hello and welcome to the Rev It Up Podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have Sumit, uh, Dr. Sumit uh, Chowdhury, and uh, he is an amazing gentleman and uh, very excited to have him here. He is the founder and CEO of Gaia Smart Cities and mentor investor at Cesolvera. Uh, he's a global thought leader and CXO in the field of smart cities, telecom, information analytics, and urban design enthusiast. Um, he has uh, many amazing prior roles, um, being president and CIO of Reliance uh, Geo, a VP of IBM, CIO of Reliance Communications, and managing partner of KPMG. So those are some pretty big companies. Um, and um, uh, just excited to have you here. And um, before we get too far, um, assuming, is there um, a good place for people to find your uh, information, find your uh, work and, and whatnot? So uh, my LinkedIn profile is uh, quite up to date and uh, I uh, uh, happen to have a Wikipedia page as well. So um, uh, both of these um, provide um, adequate information about what uh, I have and what I am and uh, my, my background, uh, my, my history of uh, my influences in life. Fantastic. Mm. And uh, before we get too far, I noticed those beautiful paintings in the back, back there. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how those came, up, came to be? Ah, good. Thank you. You noticed. So um, those paintings are, um, are one of the first few that I put on, put on canvas uh, about probably 15, 15 years ago. But I have been painting since I was a child. So, um, uh, and over, over a period of about 10 years, I would have painted as a uh, learning through a proper schooling. But later on, I started uh, developing my own style. And uh, this particular style is, is very pertinent to, um, to the Bengal school of painting. I am a Bengali, I'm from Bengal and I, I yeah. speak Bengali, but uh, this, there's a Bengal school of painting, which um, has, uh, so I use this shape and I make everything out of commas. If you go and uh, and you go to closer to my paintings, you will see that all shapes are like commas. So I build abstract figurative art using uh, a building block, which is a comma. Like um, like people have used dots for things, and people have used different things. I use a comma. Okay. Uh, there is a there is a philosophy behind it, and I can talk to a, talk to you at some other time about <laughs> the philosophy of the comma. Is about the con the continuum of life. Um, my exhibition in the U.S. I have done four or five exhibitions in the U.S. Oh, wow. uh, of my paintings, and um, the, the exhibition was called the Continuum. Uh, continuum, uh, because uh, as as life goes on and on, there's no uh, we we don't have a full stop. We sort of keep going, and that's uh, that was sort of the abstract uh, conversation that we were having around the around the paintings. It's fairly bold um, colors and. Um, it's full of commas. So that's what people know me for. Uh, somebody named it commism. Like cubism, they said it's, you, you have come up with a new method called commism. There you go. <laughs> so there it is. Oh, that's funny. Well, perfect. And then, yeah. um, so tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial uh, 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 process uh, that you've kind of gone over multiple years here. Obviously, you kind of, kind of moved up in these uh, big companies like IBM and uh, KPMG and, and others. 
can you tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial path and how you got there? Yeah. So um, it's interesting because uh, I, I give this talk in, in various colleges and I, I, I trace my various uh, facets of my career um, as a managing partner of KPMG or I used to work for Philips also uh, before that. So uh, industrial acoustics. And then I joined uh, from KPMG to, to being a CIO. And on almost every job, I have realized that I have spun off something. And somebody else made money off that spin-off that I, I engineered in some shape or form. And, um, uh, and um, so I knew that I had this entrepreneurial mindset. I, I was an entrepreneur in most of my companies. Uh, when I was a CIO of Reliance Communications, I took my entire two and a half thousand people and I got the uh, chairman to spin it off into a separate IT company. And that still exists. It was called Reliance Tech Services. And um, you'll be surprised them. All 2,500 people were, were so excited to be part of the, the development of an internal spin-off and, and growing it. And uh, I, I have extremely loyal following of that entire team, even 10 years after I have left that, uh, left wow. that role. Uh, subsequently, um, I was at Geo, Reliance Geo was, a, was, as they used to joke, it was a $20 billion startup. Uh, it is now one of the biggest companies. They just sold, uh, like they just sold 20% of their business for the biggest fundraise ever in the lockdown phase. They probably raised $20 billion over from yeah. Facebook, Google, Microsoft, um, big uh, uh, General Atlantic, like n name the big company and they have invested in Geo over the last six months. So I was part of the, I was the CIO of that venture. And, um, and I saw massive scale entrepreneurship at its best um, and uh, gave me a lot of ideas to think big, uh, to execute big also. How do you, how do you create a plan? How do you execute that plan in record uh, space and time and, and uh, be able to mobilize uh, resources? Um, constrained optimization along the way. And all of those things have come in handy when I, when I spun off five years ago into my own venture uh, of Gaia. And we, we wanted to create an IoT network. We wanted to basically say that, look, everybody's talking about broadband. Can I create a narrowband company? Can I create a narrowband um, telecom company only for sensors? Can sensors talk to each other? Can sensors talk and give us information that uh, would change how we live and breathe and work? Uh, in the planet. So basically we started off doing that and, and over a five-year period, uh, we have been able to do quite a bit. Uh, it has not scaled. So let me, let me be very, very honest. Um, IoT business was a hard business. Uh, deployment on, uh, on ground and maintaining and managing the assets were, were hard and, and we have done well. We are a profit-making company, but it's not, it's not a billion-dollar profit-making company. It's it's or a or a billion-dollar loss-making company either. It's just a profit-making small entity. So, uh, that being said, uh, we also developed quite a few new artificial uh, intelligence-based software and hardware products along the last five years, and we spun off one of them into Sesovera. Now, Sesovera, you mentioned it in your uh, in your introduction. I have now sw swapped my roles. I am actually the CEO of Sesovera. And I'm the chairman of Gaia. I've just moved out of that role and I've taken the baby and I have decided to run with the baby. 
and um, my my partner my co-founder uh, is also my wife and she's my batchmate from college we have known each other for 30 plus years now so she has she's running with gaia as the as the ceo and and while i look after this little subsidiary which is focused on edge computing uh, it's focused on um, uh, voice recognition on a small form factor device uh, which does not require the internet. So we are able to do uh, put a voice command into any device from a microwave oven to a cycle to a car or anything without having to uh, fiddle around with an Alexa or a Siri or any other internet-based voice recognition platforms. So we can uh, we can train it in any language. So that's what the the whole. Um, Sesovera is all about. Sesovera is Spanish for brains on the edge. So um, we are sort of building edge computing capabilities and we call it Sesovera. Very cool. Uh, super exciting. The, uh, so tell us, um, if, just in case uh, some people don't know what edge computing is, can you t give us a, just a quick um, um, blurb about how, it, how that works? So edge, edge computing is essentially putting a lot of uh, learning and algorithms on a device which is close to the end part of the network. So when you look at a network, there are edge devices, uh, sensors, which need to send data to a cloud. So we can either bring all the data from all the sensors to the cloud and centrally process it. Alternately, we can take some of the data from these sensors and find patterns to do something about without bringing it all to the cloud. Mm. So we can continuously monitor tens and hundreds of sensors on the edge without requiring all the data to be brought back to the cloud. So that compute, that storage, that analysis that we do on the edge is called edge compute pretty much. And uh, we have got an edge device, which is roughly half an inch to half an inch size microprocessor, which can learn any language and can execute any command on the edge without requiring it to be connected to the internet. That's what we have been able to achieve so far. Wow. That is, and that's really cool. And, and obviously more efficient because you're not, you know, you're not bombarding the internet with data that it doesn't need. Um, while still getting the, the and also privacy and oh, yes, yes, good points and also uh, privacy it doesn't it it can recognize your voice but it doesn't need to take it to the internet so it's not listening and and uh, uh, violating your privacy and also uh, it's fast turnaround because it doesn't need to go to the internet it is very fast so if i say lights on the lights get on that's it it doesn't need to think about lights on then go to the internet to figure out where did he say light did he say bright what did he say? Then we decide what to do. They said, I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah. By that time, you're so frustrated that you will just walk up to the light switch and, and flip it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so I guess I I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to take a 10 second break to get my uh, charger on my phone and just plug it in so that uh, I don't um, uh, lose connectivity. Just hang in there for a moment. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Well, good. Um, yeah, that, I think that uh, I have that um, Alexa, you know, so, you know, she's always listening. We're always concerned, like, hmm, 
are they listening when you're not, you know, about other stuff, you know, you never know. Um, but, uh, yeah. uh, but, uh, so ho hopefully it's not, uh, spying on people in real, in real time, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's always a concern, the privacy that definitely, especially if you got a lot of like, um, you know, corporate stuff, you know, you don't want corporate, corporate espionage being able to happen right on your, you know, a little, uh, you know, assistant device in your office or something that that would be pretty unuseful, you know, so, so I, I think that yeah, edge computing yeah. is pretty cool. So tell me a little bit about the sensors. I, I was watching your, your, you're on YouTube, uh, you couple several different speeches. Um, the one about you uh, having talent is really awesome too. Uh, the CEOs have talent or something, I think it was. Um, but uh I really like that one, but, but the one I was talking about was more, you were talking about smart cities, um, kind of all the sensors and how they interact and how you, uh, help with, uh, uh, you know, energy, um, you know, saving energy by, you know, having it, uh, controlled by computers and AI. So it's smarter technology to, to run everything. So anyway, if you could tell us a little bit about that, that'd be really cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, they say that if you measure something, you can improve it. Right. So when people say, what kind of a company are you? I, we just say we are a measurement company. <laughs> um, we measure things and, and we put processes to improve whatever we measure. So how do you measure? Uh, you measure by, um, by you, can, you could do it before by letting people measure things. You put timers and you let people uh, measure your activities. You let people take a, a foot rule and, and measure the height of something or you uh, put a temperature sensor and you look at the thermometer and you figure out how, how hot something is. So people could do it um, without requiring any sensors in the past. People could do it once in a while. People could do it periodically. So when you do something periodically, your actions and your decision making is also periodical. Your uh, ability to react to something is also quite uh, long drawn out. I mean, once a year, you can do a time motion study of all your people and figure out who is working, who's not working. But you can do it once a year, you can't be doing it all the time. Right. But what if you could do it all the time? What if you were constantly monitoring and being able to optimize the, the work of people? What if you were able to continuously monitor the temperature of a of a of uh, a warehouse and be able to predict that your milk is going to go bad? What if you were able to predict the temperature and the power load on transformers and be able to uh, prevent or quickly react to any failure uh, on, the, on the device uh, and minimize your customers' problems? Um, all of this requires real-time monitoring of events in the environment, in the, in, in the universe. Events are always happening. Uh, are we watching or are we not watching? Uh, and if I can extend my ears and if I extend my eyes and if I extend my hands to sensors, to artificial sensors who are also extensions of our human uh, capabilities or even beyond human capabilities to measure things that were either measurable or not measurable before by humans or were not measurable in the frequency with which humans can do it. So technology today allows us to measure things continuously and take corrective action all the time. And that's what we do. We are uh, essentially uh, creating opportunities to continuously measure 
parameters that help us take better decisions about the universe, about our actions, about um, optimization of resources. If you are constantly monitoring where your car is, Uber is able to do a better job of of predicting and of allocating that resource to you when you require it. If it did not know where your car was, it would be like any other taxi service which would radio in and saying, where are you? Can you go and help this? There's a, there's a call over here. So essentially you are now looking at uh, optimization because you have got real time information about your assets. That's what we do. Hey everybody, Jess here. What if I could help your company find over a hundred thousand dollars in hidden revenue streams in less than an hour without spending an extra dime on advertising or marketing? Reach out to me at cardzap.thebumpcard.me. Check out the video on five steps to profit and also reach out and we can have a conversation. Thank you. Very awesome. And, and then, um, so with the, um, with the smart cities, how do you, um, like who's your um, like target audience and how do you approach them with this type of uh, more advanced technology than what they're probably familiar with uh, previously? Any tips on that? So um, uh, it just so happened that when we launched our company, the, the country in India, we, we launched uh, something called the hundred smart cities program and a uh, hundred cities all ventured into sort of planning and executing a five to 10 year plan to put technology to improve themselves and to work smarter, to put better infrastructure, to improve quality of life. A hundred cities in India started doing it, but globally this phenomena has uh, got more than four or 5,000 cities working to on various aspects of putting technology to improve the quality of life of people. And that is the smart city program across the world. So everybody is now quite familiar with the fact that if you are being able to measure something, you will be able to do something. And it's a question of doing a business case. Some cities have a business case for transportation. Some other cities might have a business case for water supply management. Some might have a business case for education or healthcare. Each city has a different problem statement and a different revenue statement and a different thing that bothers the citizens. If you can find this, this sweet spot that my citizens were bothered about traffic, can I solve their traffic problem? My citizens are bothered about garbage. Can I solve their garbage collection and disposal problem? Um, you are a smart city because you listen to your citizens and you put technology in place to improve that thing that bothers your citizen. So a lot of people are, are, there are a lot of naysayers about smart cities when there is no basic infrastructure. In India, that is absolutely true. We don't have basic infrastructure. We are talking about smart cities. What the hell are you talking about? It's about optimization of resources. I have that. I don't have a smart city, but I have a program to improve the optimization of my resources. And therefore I can actually do more infrastructure projects because I am smarter about how I'm deploying my resources. And then that's, uh, that's what the smart city project is all about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, even in your, you know, in your business, which is super high tech, it really gets down to, 
kind of the same thing, solving problems for the people that are involved that would want to buy your product. And if you can, absolutely, you know, if you can represent that, then they're going to, you know, want to buy your product, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. um, and I like how you're, you know, kind of isolating, you know, you know, if you, it might be too big of a project, to, you know, make the whole city smart, but if you can make the hospital system smart, that'll make an improvement or the, or like you said, the garbage system, or, you know, you're able to take individual pieces and kind of fix those pieces and which will improve the standard of living for everybody. And then, you know, um, and then once they see the results of that, I'm guessing um, it's much easier to sell them on the next upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what is happening right now. Um, one step at a time, it's, it's difficult for um, people to comprehend uh, the, the opportunity space is this enormous. The opportunity is enormous, especially because we don't have the legacy of one mistake. We are, we are leapfrogging to some extent into uh, quite advanced uh, technologies right now. Awesome. And, and before the show here, we were talking a little bit about your new venture that you're kind of uh, launching today uh, with your daughter. And I definitely love to hear about that. No, it's not launching today. You know, um, I, I, I'll tell you, it's, a, it's an amazing story. Even I, I get fascinated about how it all happened. Um, India decided to lock down everything, complete lockdown uh, on 22nd or 24th of March. And my daughter had a, a grade 10 board exams um, planned and she was all ready to give her exams and suddenly they all got canceled. So here she was working really hard to really do well in studies. And, and, and she's been baking for seven, eight years before, um, baking cupcakes and cakes and selling to her friends. And she went pro a long time before I went uh, pro. But um, so we both decided that, look, every day is going to look like a Sunday now. Like we are going to stay at home and we'll have time. Let's just join forces and do some baking together. So from March 25th till today, it's about 170, 175 days. Every day we have baked for seven to eight hours. And we have served breads and cakes and cupcakes to not just the neighborhood that we live in, but now all over Mumbai. And, and Mumbai is a very big city. Wow. And we have a very well-known artisanal bakery brand right now going. And we were... Uh, we are quite well known my, in my social circles, people know it, but uh, in my professional circles, I had not, um, I had not gone out and talked about it. Uh, but um, today I was telling you today was uh, there, there's a, uh, there's a uh, social media marketing company, which uh, heard my story and they wanted to do an article about it. So they, they just went public uh, today with the, with the story. So I said, okay, fine. If, if they have gone public, then I'll, I'll just post it on LinkedIn and, uh, so my daughter has her own page. Uh, she's the CEO. She's just all of 16. So she has got a LinkedIn page now. She's the CEO of the company. I'm the chief dishwasher of the company. Nice. Oh, that's that's how I put it. And it's nice that you're able to do something with your family too. That's pretty special. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Uh, especially with a 16 year old, you can imagine. Uh, uh, it could be, yeah. could be much. Uh, yeah. Um, I, mine's not quite old. I have a, I have four kids, but my oldest is uh, 13. So I haven't quite got through oh, that okay. yet, but, uh, but I've heard stories about uh, some of the challenges. So, uh, so if you can get them baking or something productive, that's much better than, uh, you know, playing video games or, or going out on the town or whatever else, uh, yeah. you know, kids try to do these days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously, and, yeah, and, the, and, uh, 
Oh, the same. Uh, the uh, what? Oh, there's a late late time there. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, I was just saying that we have been uh, we have been waking up at uh, four and five in the morning every day. So um, before my other two jobs kick in, we are done baking. Oh wow! Yeah. So, <laughs> You're busy. Yeah, very, very busy. We're very busy. Yeah. And now we, we also started our company in the U.S. And uh, so uh, the U.S. team kicks in at six in the evening. Okay. And they go till nine, nine thirty in the at night. Um, so, uh, yeah, it starts at four in the morning and goes till nine thirty, almost every day. Okay. So, so if some people that want to improve their um, their city and or get some edge computing type stuff, um, how do they reach out to your um, your company? Uh, so um, both these com- both the companies are uh, are on online, and um, you can actually reach out to Gaia Gaia dot in G A I A Gaia dot I N is the website. And um, you know, uh, once you get to Gaia, you will see all the use cases of things that we have worked on, including the the edge computing stuff is also mentioned there because we incubated the whole thing within Gaia. Um, but um, uh, we have separated the other one, and that was fairly stealth mode till recently uh, but uh, we decided to announce and and go public and we have got a couple of customers and so n- now we are like any other startup with uh, with customers with product with um, with an idea with a global team mm. we just hired uh, a very senior director out of Qualcomm in the US okay. uh, he's uh, he's joined in as the C- CTO of the company uh, he happens to be my batchmate from my college uh, and uh, so we are two college friends now as the as the co-founders of this new venture. Oh, that's that's nice when you can work with somebody you like and trust you know, right right from the start. Yeah. So that's pretty Absolutely. cool. Yeah. And um, and I know you have a book too. Are you able to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, you know, uh, being in being in CXO or leadership positions, managing a lot of people uh, across multiple countries, um, I. Um, my my team in Reliance was a very young team. My average age was about 27 years old. So out of two and a, two and a half thousand people, the average age was 27. So you can imagine the 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 youth that was in the team. And um, one thing that was becoming very evident when I spoke to them was what they do in the early part of their career, 20, 20 something to 29, 30 something time frame. Uh, how important that period was to develop core career skills, uh, uh, resilience, uh, feedback. Um, how do you, that's a, a time when a lot of people while away their time thinking that we oh, will work hard later. We'll, we are just, uh, we are just a novice. We are just a fresher in the, in the company. Let's, let's take it. Uh, let's learn slowly over a period of time. But um, the more I, I spoke to, more than 200 people and that when i started writing the book you will you will not believe me i had i had a thousand people on my linkedin at that time only two and i i posted on linkedin that i i asked one question that what is it what are the three things that you wish you knew when you were joining your workforce uh, that has either helped you speed up your career or or has stopped you from speeding up your career. Hmm. Either your plus points or your negative. What can you tell me? Tell me only three things. There could be 10, but I need only three. And 200 of them responded. So 
Wow. That was a fifth of my LinkedIn. Uh, I I have a fairly large LinkedIn following right now, uh, but um, that uh, that time, this was almost ten years ago. I started doing the research. Then I started interviewing CEOs of companies that have made themselves in India. There's a lot of CEOs who have inherited their companies. Wow. They their fathers were the CEOs. But I talked to people who actually rose up the ranks. and became ceos over over time and i started interviewing them about their life and their uh, the things that they wish they knew what uh, lessons that they could do and i mapped it back to this general survey that i had done with so many people and i started finding a pattern of what it takes to succeed in the career uh, and the book is about these uh, nuggets of learning about what are the rules of of being successful and the first thing that i say in in the book is that there are no rules so i i start off by saying that you have to define the rules of your own game and um i talk about how you have to first understand the rules of the environment that you are in and then you need to master them and then finally you need to break them and the people who are able to break the rules and set their own rules are the ones who are truly successful uh people who are able to be genuine about what they are doing and how how can you be authentic about your uh how do you build a personal brand um and how do you how do you nurture it uh, how do you work hard i mean there is no um how do you develop learning how do you get feedback i think a lot of people talked about getting um uh positive or negative feedback and the fact that they didn't know how to take feedback was their achilles heel and uh, i i talk a lot about uh, setting up sensors in your life sensors that will give you that feedback uh, to improve yourself and uh, and create continuous learning uh, i i actually now talk about um, something else i mean i i have a i don't i don't think it's a book yet but i i look at um, uh, this thinking like da vinci book and i i give a talk on uh, the seven principles that da vinci talked about and um, sort of build up a talk around it and i have already given that talk to multiple young people uh, uh, since talking about the book i i uh, made it a best seller from an indian context uh, so more than 10 10000 copies got sold i i also spoke to 30000 people i toured the country for 6 months every weekend three three days friday saturday sunday for six months and i went to cities i talked to colleges i talked to young companies i talked to big companies like google microsoft uh, ge and people used to call me for uh, for talks and i would go and uh, talk to the young staff and the young members of their workforce and talk to them about uh, about their life i mean sat down and had conversations and and these conversations were enlightening not just for them but for me probably a lot more uh, to understand what was uh, what was india going through and what we were doing and what can we do differently to to address the the youth and their aspirations and their career development skills so that's that was my book it was a it was an amazing journey 6 months of intense immersion into um launching it and another 6 months of writing it and and taking it to completion Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, I, um, 
I know a lot about, uh, so I think we've published over 200 books now and, uh, mm. it's always a process and especially, but a lot, a lot of it's marketing after the fact that, uh, that people seem to forget about. Um, and yeah. so you definitely, uh, did a good job there getting the book out there. So that's off. Awesome. And is there, um, as far as like revenue generation, um, is there any like, uh, pitfalls that you've seen over the years and maybe one success story too? So, um, being an innovator by heart, you know, you're always trying to solve problems and, and coming up with new solutions to, uh, to things that people are, to constraints that people are facing in their lives and, and the companies. So you, so that's what uh, we have been focused on. But uh, if I take a look at the, the revenue generation as a, as a concept, I mean, you have to, um, I believe that you need to start demonstrating your ideas fast to people. You cannot be doing things in isolation and in, in stealth mode for too long. You need to be out there co-creating with your, uh, with your customers. Uh, if you are not co-creating with your customers, you are you are um, isolated from the real world. And uh, yes, there are there are problems which need to be solved in in an isolation. Uh, but I am not that uh, I'm not that person. I, I'm not trying to solve um, complex things like quantum computing and other things which might come in later in life. But um, it is not solving a problem today. I, I try to look at problems which need to be solved today. And therefore, uh, revenue generation is always part of, this, uh, part of the process. The first customer who's helping you develop it can get a, uh, can, can either be part of the, uh, the, the product or they can very well be a significantly subsidized customer. But uh, the second and the third and the fourth customer pretty much picks up the, um, uh, picks up the tab for the for the whole thing uh, afterwards. So um, we have done this over and over and over again. Last five years, I probably um, have put five or six applications out in the field, uh, co-creating with the customer and and putting a putting a beta version out there for revenue generation from day one. I mean, for as fast as possible. Uh, one of my pieces of software is being used by the Indian Railways. Um, Indian Railways is the largest employer in the world. Oh, wow. uh, they they run um, the most number of trains every day across the country. Um, they they ferry tens of millions of people um, every day, and uh, my software uses uh, is used to manage the people who uh, who run the thing, who who clean the thing, who, uh, who who secure the the premises. All of those things are the people are managed on my platform and. Um, I developed it with, with one and a half resources and we put it out there and 70% of Indian railways is using it right now. Oh, wow. It was developed by a guy who graduated six months before. That's it. So you just sit down and you think through the problem and you a customer's problem and there will be takers. After that, we have perfected it. After that, we have invested in it. Since we got seven, eight, ten customers, you're then you know that you you are onto something. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, quick uh, quick prototyping is the answer that you were that I wanted to uh, talk about from a revenue generation standpoint. Um, letting a market 
uh, understanding the market's um, ability to pay for your software or your hardware or your solution is also something quite uh, quite important. Uh, test the market out, uh, what they are willing to pay. And then we do that all the time, including my baking business for that matter. We we did a little survey. We went to five-star hotels and found find out found out what sourdough was being sold for and we started making sourdough breads because it was the most expensive bread that was being sold out in the market. So we, so you, you just have to go out and survey the market and get, uh, get ahead, of, um, ahead of it. Now, uh, there are ways in which you can actually make a product quite, um, quite cheap but sell something else in return. As you said, that if, if the product is free, then you are the product. That, we don't do that. We, <laughs> we by and large, um, get, we are a B2B uh, company, we are not not a B two C venture yet. Um, you're on mute. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so, do you sell mostly to cities or to like individual companies mostly? Uh, both. We we have sold to cities, but uh, um, over the last year and a half, our focus has been primarily companies that work. Either for other companies or for the or the cities or the or larger departments okay. somewhere. So we, we are a B two B player. We we have got customers which are the government, but we tend to um, we have decided to slow down that bit and focus on corporates more. Gotcha. It's very cool. Well, um, I um, was probably should wrap it up here, but I wanted to uh, just. Uh, uh, Thank you so much. I'm really uh, interested in these, uh, this technology that you've created. It's pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and the baking business was very fun. I enjoyed talking about that. Uh, and, uh, but I was, I was actually going to ask you if you were able to take some of the stuff you learned over here and apply it to the baking business. And then you jumped in and mentioned that. So absolutely. So that's cool. Yeah. No, no, we, we do that. Uh, I, I took an order for baking 200, Sardo loaves in two days time. Oh wow! That requires more engineering than baking skills. Uh, believe me, <laughs> it, in a, in a home kitchen. Yeah. Oh wow! So uh, you uh, you have to plan it a week or two weeks in advance, and you need to figure out when you're going to do what and the equipment and so yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's ex- that's exciting. Yeah, I am. I'm hoping someday uh, to do something like that with my kid. That sounds fun. Uh, just hang, to yeah. be able to work with them and uh, next to them and, and help them grow their company. So that's pretty cool. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, again, real quick, just where, where can they find you and where can they find your company? And, uh, and we'll call it a day. So uh, again, my, my LinkedIn is, uh, is uh, Sumit Chaudhary. So if you just uh, type Sumit Chaudhary and Gaia, um, is the name of my company. Gaia.in is the website. My new company's name is Sesovera and it is an AI company. So it's sesovera.ai. Um, we have not put up most of our information on the website yet for, uh, for obvious reasons. It's uh, fairly high tech to, to talk about it right now, but uh, as a concept, it's, it's written down there as to what we are doing. Uh, we allow things to hear uh, so that's all it says today. Um, but uh, you can find me on both uh, Wikipedia and on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is also quite public. So I'll, uh, I'll mention it so that people can reach out to me. Sumit at Gaia.in okay. uh, and, or Sumit at Sesovera.ai. Uh, both of these uh, things would be easy for people to reach me on. 
and um, I love to interact with people, as you can see. We, I do. Um, uh, I talk to a lot of people through the week, through the through the month, and I make it a point to give back where I can. Nice, perfect. Well, um, yeah, I think I think I I learned a lot today, so I'm appreciative of that, and uh, and uh, excited. Hopefully, we'll be able to bring you back sometime. Thank you. Thank you, Jess. Have a good day. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye.